Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. And I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up November 10th through the 12th in Florida, just outside Orlando. So give us a call at 1-800-49-PURITY or register online at gatewaymen.com. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have a really special guest on the line. We have Daniel Weiss with the Brush Fires Foundation. So, Daniel, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. It's it's really glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back on here. It's been uh, how long ago was it actually that we first had you on the program? It's been at least three years, I'm thinking. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah, so my hair was darker then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what now having three teenagers will do. It's like my hair is getting uh, lighter and lighter. Uh, but, but folks, before we get into Daniel's story, because I really want you to hear just his story and kind of the journey that he's taken to get to where he is now, um, I just uh, want to thank those of you out there who have chosen to partner with us financially. Uh, we're so grateful because there's no way we can do the ministry that we're doing and do these broadcasts and, and all the various things that we're doing without your support. And so we thank you for that. Um, if you feel God stirring you to come alongside and partner with us in this work that we're doing, please go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, Daniel, let's just dive right in. I'd love for you to just be able to um, share some of your story with our listeners. Uh, those who you know were listening maybe two or three years ago might remember you, but uh, it's always good to just uh, share stories. That's one of our core values here. We feel like we we connect better when we unpack our stories. So why don't you just maybe give us a little bit of your history? Sure, Jonathan, I'd be happy to. Well, I grew up in a perfect home and had a perfect childhood, and my life's really great. And okay, so, well, uh, <laughs> we just had a, a three-minute program, so now we're – see you guys later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what everyone wishes, but that's not how life works, is it? No, um, it's not. We all, we all have a past, and um, you know, part of my story is – I think probably will resonate with a number of listeners is I had a real hard time connecting even with my own story. And it's really been actually uh, through my work on issues of sexual brokenness that I've gotten in touch with my own brokenness in a far deeper way and in, frankly in a far healthier way. Um, so I want to explain, I, I, I got a job at Focus on the Family and a lot of people would love to work there. This was in 2002. And I was hired to be a web editor. Now, the interesting thing was 
I had no experience. And, and it wasn't like I was deceiving them in the application. I told them that. But I had a real connection with the director who was hiring, and I think he wanted to get me on the team. So he brought me to Colorado from Washington, D.C., where I was working. And uh, for about two months, I was trying to do this job, and I really wasn't equipped for it, and they really weren't ready for that position to be filled. So I was going nowhere. And my boss was going away for about six weeks, some personal time and some business travel. And right before he did, he said, you know, I think we need an analyst to handle issues uh, dealing with pornography. Mm. Uh, Dr. Dobson had uh, been on the Attorney General's Commission on Pornography. He had a really powerful interview with Ted Bundy, a notorious serial killer um, mm -hmm. who had been deeply influenced by pornography. So this was kind of a core issue for the ministry, but nobody was really tracking it. Well, by the time my director got back six weeks later, I said, uh, I'm your pornography analyst um, because I've been working on that issue. I just asked for a title change. I really didn't want that on a business card. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I joke with people all the time that one of the uh, the common names that I've g I'm given at my church is I'm the sex guy. So, I mean, there's all different kinds of titles that we can be given, right? Well, I had a few that, that uh, my colleagues gave me, but um, we always joked at least – uh, you know, I wasn't the STD lady like right. uh, one of my other coworkers. Oh, no. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. But the point in me sharing that part of the story is I really got into this work with uh, I, I wasn't going in this direction at all. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I wasn't really in touch with my own story. I just started to uh, dig into these issues from a pol public policy perspective. I was looking at obscenity laws and broadcast indecency. So I was really reading court decisions and law and things like that. Um, out of that, I started to connect with a uh, website that uh, folks on the family uh, had up and running, but no project manager on. It was called Pure Intimacy. Mm -hmm. And Pure Intimacy was devoted to helping uh, people struggling with pornography use and their spouses. So again, kind of out of the blue, I got tapped to be a project manager on you know, addiction recovery and pornography use, and I had no experience. So I connected with all kinds of counselors, and I talked with experts, and I ended up commissioning uh, a number of original articles. We really beefed up the site. I was really proud of that work. Um, so I learned a lot about brokenness. I learned a lot about addiction, and people were turning to me for answers on this. Um, ultimately, you know, I worked – uh, at Focus for almost nine years. And I never really kind of, I, I was always kind of hiding behind a mask there. And the, the truth was that I had a lot of sexual brokenness in my own life. I had been exposed to pornography at age seven. Um, it had been kind of an off and on again thing throughout mostly high school, some in middle school. Um, and, you know, that was an issue in college as well. And so I really had no idea how much that had influenced me uh, until after I got married. And I think a lot of people realize that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm married. Now the problem's uh, going to be gone and, and you find out it's not. And so um, I would say over the course of, of I've been doing this work for 15 years now, Jonathan. And even in the last, I would say, three years I've just come to a deeper understanding of just how broken I was, not just sexually, but relationally, mm -hmm. um, just issues from my past that I actually thought had been reconciled and handled. I had no idea how much they continued to 
to pull me into unhealthy cycles. So, mm-hmm. um, well, let me I, ask. Being a, yeah, I'm being a little vague, but that's kind of the overview. It's like it has been hard for me doing all this, all this good work, and still having a hard time getting in touch with my own brokenness. And I suspect that's true for a lot of people. Sure. And I'd like to talk about two things there. One is the just some of the discoveries you made along the way in terms of realizing, you know, especially the transition into marriage and how that just doesn't have the kind of effect that we think it's going to have on our sexual brokenness. But then also this idea of I almost hear there, this little bit of an underlying um, surprise that you can be doing this work for 15 years and still have so much yet to discover in your own journey. And I think sometimes those who are in any kind of full-time ministry um, have this feeling like, well, man, you know, at some point we should have it all together. You know, at some point we should, we should sort of know like all the answers and have all of our lives all kind of put together. (laughs) And I think if anybody's been in you know, any kind of ministry for any amount of time, you realize that you, you have to serve from a place of brokenness. But, but first, let's talk about the, some of the, maybe we could call it sort of the disappointment discoveries that you made along the way, especially that one about maybe the transition into marriage and thinking that marriage might be kind of this cure-all. Because we have a lot of listeners that I think that's the experience that they had. I mean, the majority of our listeners are married, but I think the reason they're listening to us is because they're coming from that place of there was a disillusionment somewhere along the way in their relationship of what they expected to what they are now experiencing. And so why don't you speak to that a little bit um, in kind of maybe your own experience, but then also just any insights you have on that. Sure. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's fresh on my mind. I was writing about this very thing today for a project I'm doing. And I think, uh, Probably for me, I mean, it was for me and probably for a lot of people, uh, I thought the pornography was a lot about sex. Mm. And it really, it wasn't, it wasn't a sexual need that necessarily, I mean, it was on the surface, but the deeper need down there was a search for meaning and for identity. And it was a search for, uh, you know, in a sense, it was a medicating activity to, to keep me from really dealing with some underlying trauma, childhood traumas that I had. And so it's really easy to look at these things from the surface level and say, hey, you know, this is a sexual acting out. And um, for me, uh, I actually was had not had intercourse before I was married. I was, uh, I guess, properly termed a technical virgin because I had been sexually active. But I, I was really proud of that fact. And mm-hmm. this is something I was reflecting on here recently I was proud of the fact that the, the truth was I wasn't pure at all. I mean, I was right. ravaged by lust. And so I had technically saved myself from my wife, but all oh, my heart, my mind, my spirit was all jumbled up. And those things didn't change just because I was married. Um, and so it was actually several years of marriage before I was able to, even maybe for the first time, to see my wife purely and rightly and to approach her not from a position of fulfilling my own needs or my own desires, but to truly serve her and to accept if she wasn't interested in intimacy that I could bless her by not pushing the point. And 
to begin to bless my wife with the way I approached her and the way I interacted with her was totally new to me. I had no experience living that way in my life. And so um, that was that was a, a real painful realization to know that I loved my wife, but spent many years uh, really not respecting and cherishing her the way mm. that I thought I was. Um, and of course, as you know, that's an ongoing process in marriage. You you, you work at it constantly because the sinful heart <laughs> is still part of your life. Right. Well, and, and so, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing is is such a common theme that we hear in anybody who comes to our ministry, and that is that the the growth in building a healthy relationship, the growth in even uh, healing from sexual brokenness is so often a journey of discovering just how much we have established the paradigm of self-centeredness in our lives. And, oh, absolutely. And I guess I, I would love to under—I would love for our listeners to maybe be able to hear what that journey has been like for you at various stages of. Because here you're talking about, hey, I discovered essentially I'm a self-centered husband, and now I'm discovering that that's not really how a healthy relationship works. You can't continue down that path. Talk about the the feelings that are associated not only with the discovery of that, but then recognizing what must be done in order to change that. Because I don't think we love to sometimes uh, come up with really cute little cliches or almost almost flowery kind of processes that make it seem like oh this is going to be like running through a field in the summertime, you know. And it's like okay, the reality is when you look at what the change is going to require. It's it's brutal. It's it's um, it's it's difficult. It's something that requires humility, and even though it may be redemptive, because we we understand the work of Christ in our lives, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily always fun. So, can you share with us a little bit about just embracing that difficulty? Well, let me share a story. And I was I've been in a men's group that meets every week for for many years now and it's a it's just a group of guys of all different ages there's probably a 30 year age gap in there of the men that attend and from all different churches and uh the men like to go to this uh men's retreat local men's retreat and i wasn't able to attend this one but the guys that came back the next time we met were sharing about it and it, they were telling a funny story about how one of the speakers wanted to say, you know, this is going to blow your mind. Like, you know, the thing I'm going to tell you is going to blow your mind. And, and he slipped and he said, this is going to blow your face off. And we all <laughs> laughed about it. Oh, my. But, what, but yeah, I mean, it's hilarious, right? I mean, what a slip up. But what happened that night is men actually, it really blew their face off because it blew their masks off. Mm. And we had men that night confessing not just kind of your everyday normal guy sin, like, hey, man, I'm struggling with pornography. And a number of guys did that night, actually, and never talked about it before. Mm -hmm. But it came out that night. But one guy shared a story that he said he was convinced he would take to his grave. He was deeply ashamed of a situation that happened in his childhood. And, uh, you know, he he got that out. And, and everyone who confessed that night was met with, unbelievable love and grace and acceptance and support. Mm. I mean, nobody said, man, you should, you know, everybody knew 
that the things that had happened were wrong. No one had to say that. But what needed to be said is we love you. We see who you really are mm. and we love you. And so that unmasking process is a huge part of of coming to terms with with our own selves. That's that's been a hard part for me is to recognize the the masks I put on. And I think you alluded to that, Jonathan. It's really tempting as a ministry leader or as someone who works in this to hide our own brokenness because of what you said, there's so much pressure to be good or to be holy or to, to never have uh, problems. You don't want people to discover that. And I, and I confess to you, I was guilty of that. Mm. It, and it's been a hard journey to say, no, I have to face my brokenness. Um, You know, Henry Nouwen wrote in life of the beloved, you know, when people feel pain, they normally, lean away from it. If we touch a hot pan, we pull away. But healing from pain means going back into it, really. When we're talking about spiritual and emotional and sexual pain, we've got to actually go through that pain in order to come out on the other side. And that's mm-hmm. that's been the hard part of my journey is admitting, you know, I do have some brokenness. I do have lust issues, even as someone who works on this issue, and I can't hide about it anymore. I've got to come clean. You know, and one of the things that we we always uh, really emphasize in our ministry, and I want our listeners to hear this because it, it's important to be able to distinguish if you're in what we would call a grace-based environment versus a performance-based environment, is is exactly what you're talking about there, Daniel. In a grace-based environment, um, whoever might be facilitating that essentially needs to be able to say, we are no different from one another in here in the, in the sense that we all carry brokenness, we all carry sin, we all need a Savior, we all need help. And when you have that as kind of a, the baseline, guess what? Then we can roll up our sleeves and we can all get to work. But if you start creating sort of this caste system, you know, that essentially says, well, listen, if, if you're wearing the leader hat or the facilitator hat, then, well, guess what? You have to be the one that always has an answer. You can never say, I don't know. You always, you know, um, you never have anything to confess. Oh my goodness. That would be, you know, scandalous. And and it's just the next thing you know, the environment gets toxic because yeah. what ends up happening is when you have that person that's in the group that's saying, I am dying here. But then there's the expectation that we're all trying to be like the leader there. And guess what? He doesn't have any problems. How can that person bring out what they're carrying, um, if we don't first admit we're all in the same boat of need. We may be at different stages on the journey, but it doesn't change the dynamic of that commonality of our brokenness. Well, Jonathan, I could not possibly agree with you more in everything you just said, and that's been a huge part of the formation of the Brushfires Foundation, is understanding that you know what I was living, what so many people are living, the isolated life, healing and health is not possible. It has to be a community effort. It has to be done in relationship. And it has to be done with vulnerability. And you know what? It's hard to create the circumstances where that's possible. My men's group, you know, people weren't confessing, uh, you know, the first year or two. It was like in year three. And so this is the challenge of our age and, and what we've begun dedicating ourselves to at brush fires is how do we create safe places where this can happen in churches 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves a culture. It involves an intentionality. Uh, we have to, and, and that's, I use those words. There's no us and them here. Like you said, it's just us. And for me to be able to say that required me to be able to live that. And so that, that really, you know, I want to go back to my time at Focus just because that was so influential for me professionally. It gave me such head knowledge. I really knew a lot. You know, I'm kind of chuckling, you know, don't pat yourself on the back too hard here. But but I did have a lot of head knowledge. I had almost no heart knowledge. Mm. And it was, you know, it's like the longest 18 inches is from your head to your heart. Yeah. And so it 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 has been my journey with brush fires where now uh, I'm beginning to live out those things that I had talked about and and understood in, in, in an educational sense, but didn't know how to live them out. And so that's been the, the joy of my journey now is that I get to I get to be the first one in the breach so I can tell people mm-hmm. it's OK. You can jump in because there are people waiting for you here. Well, let me ask you this, because I can already I can already sense and even hear some of our listeners sort of screaming through the radio or screaming at their phone or whatever, saying, I've heard a thousand times that there's that 18 inches is the, you know, the longest journey, but nobody tells you how, like, how do you actually get, and what I'm hearing from you, if, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that sometimes it's maybe hard to map out the exact how to journey that head to heart, you know, um, road. As much as it might be, it's something that is experienced over time. And I don't mean that to sound like a cop-out, but what I'm hearing you say is, guess what? You had all this head knowledge, and then you had to discover over time how that applies on a heart and soul level. So at least give some encouragement for the listeners that are screaming at us right now that we can't quite hear, but uh, <laughs> that are wanting to know, okay, Daniel, give me something. Like, what does that look like for you in your life practically? How has some of that worked out into your heart that was previously just head? Well, you know, I think uh, those are – that is a great point, and I'm really glad you teased that out because um, – you're right. It is hard to map that out. I think for me, I have a phrase. I, I use it all the time because it, it doesn't seem to stop happening to me. But that God, because I'm such a hard-headed, stubborn person, he has to back me into blessing. Hmm. And that phrase comes to mind because I grew up on a farm and uh, you know we had dairy cows. And, and after we'd have a little calf born, after a while, we'd have to move it out to where the rest of the cattle were. And so my dad would say, put a halter on that calf and lead it out to the other barn. Well, these calves were stubborn, and, and, and I was a little guy, maybe seven or eight, so I didn't have a lot of lot of weight to me. So they outweighed me, and I was having real trouble moving these calves. And so what I finally discovered um, is that every time I pulled on the rope, they pulled against me. And so I finally realized if I just turn them around and, and face their backsides to where I want them to go and pull on the rope, they basically walk themselves back where <laughs> exactly where I want them to go. And so that's what I call being backed that's into awesome. blessing. I've been resistant to God and, and, and kind of that, that Jacob struggling with the angel at the river there and struggling and not letting go of God and, and finally saying, bless me. Well, he's blessed me. Mm. But he's given me a limp. 
and the and the blessing comes with the limp, and the limp is the evidence of the blessing. And so God has backed me into blessing so many times. Mm, how good. this happens, you know, how this happens in my sexuality is where have I been resistant? You know, where have I been resistant to God? That's the point where he's trying to do the most work. And so a lot of this just comes in surrender. Yeah. And 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 I'm guessing there are people listening right now that say, I know what he's talking about because I can think of the exact things I'm fighting against right now. And maybe it's stuff they've heard from faithfully listening to Pure Sex Radio. They've heard this a hundred times or a dozen times, and it just it's not clicking because they're mm-hmm. resisting it. I mean, we all have those areas. And I think the loving God pursues us directly into the dark places and that's where he can do his greatest work yeah and i think you're i think you just gave our listeners the 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 nugget they needed in this episode because i mean first of all that's a that's a story and an image that i'm never going to forget i mean just turning cows around and making them making their resistance actually work for them um and often i wonder if that's what some of our listeners need to hear and even even i need to hear to say hey are there some are are there some rope marks around my neck and where I'm pulling, 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 and God is gently turning me around to work me into that, you know, backing me into a blessing. And uh, I love that. I think that's a great way to think about it. And if you think about it, I mean, we we do know that God, uh, he disciplines those he loves, but he's also gracious with us. He's like a father. He's tenderhearted. He is for our good. He's not against us. So we can, you know, we can kind of put all of these things together that make us realize that whatever our journey has looked like and wherever we are right now, he is still working out that whole redemptive plan. So in the last uh, couple minutes that we have here, why don't you just kind of share maybe with some things that, that really have been most recently some of your biggest aha moments and then um, let our listeners know how they can get in touch with brush fires and with your your work sure well you know it's funny as we're talking about you know going deeper into brokenness and discovering different layers you know one of the 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 ahas i've had and it it was pretty foundational was probably last year and i've been working through a book of a friend of ours uh david zaylor and uh, he runs operation integrity and uh, working through his book with another guy, and I don't remember the exact page we were on, but something I read. And sometimes you go back and you're like, really, I got that from that, from that passage. You know, God has used the words, but it's not necessarily what's on the page. It's what he opens up in your mind. Mm-hmm. And what he opened my mind up to was not that, you know, uh, I had a – it wasn't the realization of like, oh, you're an addict. Like you – you're addicted to porn, or you're. Di- it, it was the idea that the the addictive tendencies have been part of my life going back to my early childhood. That was the part I had not been able to access. That the struggle I had with pornography or uh, alcohol or whatever it was, those were the symptoms of the deeper wound and the trauma. And I thought, oh my goodness, everything in my life. And I'm talking, Jonathan. I I mean, I spent a day just sitting in my office and my mind was just flooded with my whole life mm. and understanding that I I was reacting the way I was because of things set in motion so very long ago. And and not that, uh, you know, things were done to me and, and not just, I'm not just talking like sexual abuse. I'm just talking about emotional mm-hmm. uh, turmoil and things in the family 
uh, that really are quite common to families in broken families, but uh, they affected me deeply. And I began to develop coping mechanisms that I never recognized in all of my professional work. That's the thing. It had never clicked for me. And God chose that moment mm. to reveal it. And then, and honestly, you remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, when she ta- after talking to Jesus, she ran to the village and said, come see a man who told me my whole life. That was that day for me. It's like God told me my whole life why I'd been struggling, why I'd been caught in certain ruts even to that day. Um, And and I got to say, you know, you talk about grace so much and mercy. I mean, God God tells us his love is his never-ending love endures and his mercies are new every morning. Mm. Boy, I wake up and I thank God for his mercy and I appeal to it uh, because we are all broken in our own ways. Uh, we are all sinful, and and here we have a God who loves us to the very end, through death and into new life again. And uh, that's that's where the answer is uh, for me, for you, and for everyone else. Amen. So so tell our listeners how they can get uh, in touch with you and Brush Fires. Yeah, it, you, they can visit our website brushfiresfoundation.org, and we've got uh, a lot of helpful resources there. We're we're not a recovery small group recovery ministry. What we're really doing is working to equip the church and and really the larger Christian community with how to deal with issues of sexual brokenness and sexual wholeness and how to do that well. So we're a lot about opening and starting the dialogue in Christian groups and communities. So that's that's what people will find there. That's great. Well, Daniel, thanks for being with us. Would you mind coming back again so that we can really dive in a little bit more into, into brush fires and some of the ministry initiatives that you have? I would love to do that. I'm having a great time with you, Jonathan. Great. Well, listeners, we're always glad you're with us as well, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.